You're listening to the Strength Discovered Podcast. On this podcast, we explore the different ways that self-doubt can hold us back and what we can do about it. From energy work to neuroscience, if it helps us turn down the volume of self-doubt and amplify the experience of self-love and confidence, then we're going to talk about it. I'm your host, Stephanie Nielsen. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back again. It's your girl, Stephanie here. And we're at rule number five, repetition. This one is important. So important. This one will make or break what we're trying to create. Repetition is a requirement for physical changes in the brain to actually occur. So if we want to wire in a new neural network in our brain that supports our goals, we have to, number one, go through the other rules so that we have an outline, right? And then we need to use that very purposefully to direct our attention and repeat it and we repeat it and we repeat it. And what this does is it actually gives those new things you're creating in your brain energy and they need that energy. I mean, literally it gives them energy. Repetition is like food for creating a new neural pathway in your brain. It's not optional. If you don't repeat it, you starve it, which can be helpful when we are trying to starve off other thinking. Keep that in mind as well. So repetition is how we learn. It's how things become second nature. It's why when I recorded the Crumbling Foundations episode about my journey leaving Mormonism, why I had a song pop up in my head on replay is because I had sang that song so frequently in my youth that it was in my brain in the form that was accessible. And so when I was talking about old memories of leaving, that song surfaced, surfaced because it's connected to that neural network of that entire experience for me. If we want to create lasting memory, it requires repetition. And I want to share with you a quote from the book, The Power of Neuroplasticity, where these rules are based out of, so that we can really understand the importance of this repetition. And it says, the use of repetition is a powerful tool your brain requires to move a thought or experience from momentary to long-term to permanent memory storage. And that's the end of the quote right there. This is how our brains work. If we have something that just comes in for a fleeting moment and we're like, oh, that's neat. That feels good. But then if we don't give that energy within 24 to 48 hours, it's gone. We won't remember it. We would have to go back to the source of information and find it again. If we want it to stay longer, then we give it consistent energy. And that energy that we're giving it is our time, our commitment, our energy. We're using our mind to direct our energy towards that, to give it nourishment, to give it life. So if we were to zoom out and get a big picture idea about neuroplasticity and pick the one rule that's the most important thing, the thing that directs the neuroplasticity of the brain, it is repetition. And repetition is something that if we don't use purposefully, our old programs will continue on repeat because they're already built in. 
So we can use and direct this natural tendency that the brain has so that we empower ourselves and serves our highest good. We can also say, ah, it feels too hard, and then just let things run as is. But most of the time, that leads us to stagnation and reliving the past, even though we don't want to be. So in the book, Evolving Your Brain by Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks about this topic in depth. This is a massive book, um, but I wanted to share a little snippet so that you can understand this from a different perspective. He says, attention is crucial to this process. As long as we pay attention to whatever we are learning and then repeat over and over whatever thought we are enacting, the neocortex can begin to pattern new connections in new networks so that we can have a lasting map that is accessible in the future. And I'm going to end that right there. That's what repetition does. It makes the things that we're working on accessible when we need them. It's something that you practice in your downtime, in preparation for those times you're like, holy shit, I need something to get me through this. So the brain is constantly changing. We can either allow our environment and our current programs to do the directing of that neuroplasticity, or we can take control of it and directly influence it by the repetition of what we are giving. And that brings me to the idea of limiting beliefs. Where do they come from? Well, from my current understanding, they're born from our interpretations of external events. And then, if, especially if it's emotionally charged, it can be formed right then and there and be so strong that it's automatically in memory. So I want you to keep that in mind as well, is when you're doing your repetition, if you can couple it with an emotion that is empowering, that really supports that new thought that you're trying to build, it's really powerful because we see that it works that way for limiting beliefs. So let's use it to our advantage. And then once we have that interpretation or that story that we've told ourselves about this external event and what it means about us, then we end up repeating it internally over and over again. And it becomes even stronger. So for me, one of those big Lamina beliefs that is a lot weaker now than it used to be, but it still comes up every once in a while, is the idea of not being enough in some way or believing that I'm inferior. And I know that was born from an event when I was five years old. I lost my older sister in a horse accident. And there were things that happened afterwards that really solidified this feeling of I'm not enough. And then I repeated it to myself. I reinforced it internally without realizing it, right? This is a natural thing. That's how our brains work. And it got put in my long-term memory in such a way that it colored my entire reality. I couldn't have an experience without it being filtered through this lens of not being enough. And thank goodness, this belief of being inferior and not being good enough is weakening more and more every day. And it's happening purposefully. It's not happening by accident. We can't use past programming to change past programming. We have to be purposeful and direct ourselves with the possibility of new programs that we could be running instead. It's like that saying that says something along the lines of, you can't change a problem from the level of mind that the problem was created. That's this, that's neuroplasticity right here. If you want to change a problem that you're having in your life, you got to dig back into your thoughts and your emotions 
that are supporting and creating that thing to even be existing in your life. And then you make changes there. You direct your brain's neuroplasticity in a way that changing that problem and finding solutions is natural. And it starts to become second nature. And I want to bring up a potential roadblock here. And I've brought this up in the past, but I'm bringing it up again because it is so important. It is really easy when someone starts learning about how neuroplasticity works to then start practicing toxic positivity. We don't want to do that. Is it important that we put most of our energy into the new things that we're trying to create? Yes, 100%. I agree. But if we do it at the expense of what is coming into our awareness that needs attention and that wants to be transformed, and we keep on shoving it down and shoving it down and shoving it down, that creates a toxic environment in our minds and in our bodies. And I'm going to read a quote for you from Dr. Carolyn Leaf so you really understand why we really we can't practice toxic positivity and create better brain health. It's actually called suppression. I'm going to read you a little piece. It's from her book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So stick with me here. Um, it, it's a big one, and I'm going to try to unpack it so that we understand it. And I quote, Suppressing or trying to avoid unhappy toxic thoughts causes distress right down to the cellular level, which can shorten telomeres and potentially increase biological age in relation to chronological age, which increases vulnerability to physical illnesses. You may think you're getting away with not dealing with your stuff, but your brain, body, and mind will eventually pay the price. Psychological inflexibility, attachment to maintaining a positive air, and the avoidance of negative situations may help you suppress unwanted thoughts and feelings in the present moment, but will create fertile ground for more frequent or exaggerated breakdowns in the long term. And that's the end of that. Do we want to be pushing our energy towards what we want to be creating? Yes, we do. But not at the expense of our mental health. Not at the expense of our physical health. Because this is all connected. The more I'm diving deep into the neuroscience, the more I am learning that we cannot separate the mind, the brain, and the body. It is all connected. It's working together. So if we have thoughts in our system that are creating a toxic environment and producing chemicals in the body, which they do, all thoughts create a chemical in the body, which is an emotion, and that state becomes our new normal. Every cell in our body is living in that state. And it's not about pushing and forcing through repetition of something new and ignoring what's there. It's about using what is there in a way that transforms it from pain into power and wisdom. And I want to share with you something that works for me when I'm dealing with this, when I'm focusing on repetition, trying to create a new neural pathway, but I have shit coming up that I don't necessarily want to be dealing with. The first thing is I acknowledge that it's coming up. I don't push it down. And what does that mean to acknowledge it? It means I capture it. I put it on a piece of paper. Why? So that I can observe it. It's now tangible. It's out of my brain. It's on a piece of paper where then I can understand what's going on and question it. Now, this process right here, 
this acknowledging it, this capturing it, and observing it to understand and then questioning it is the opposite of suppression, is the opposite of toxic positivity. We're holding space for what's coming up without judgment. It's just there. We're acknowledging that it's there. We're capturing it so that we can observe it in a tangible form and then we can question it. And then, and only then, do we double down on the repetition of what we are actually trying to be focusing on. This is so important. I can't stress this enough. We are not mechanical creatures. We are complex. Some people take neuroscience and lay it over and dehumanize us and say, well, this is how it works. This is what you need to do. We need to give ourselves grace and understanding as we're going through this process because it's not, it's not a singular answer. It's nuanced and it's complex. Can we use neuroscience as a framework and guideline? Yes, I am. But I'm also giving myself lots of fucking grace in the process as things come up when I'm working on something new. So my own personal take on the rule of repetition is I'm going to embrace my current moment reality with what is here. And then and only then will I shift into a repetition mode in an empowering way. And for me, that sometimes it can happen within a matter of seconds where I'll have a thought come up, say, oh, wow, okay, I just noticed that I had this thought that's not serving me. What would I rather be having instead? It can be that fast. It can be that simple. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need paper. Sometimes you need journals. Sometimes you need something more tangible. When you've been doing it for a while, like I have, you can start doing it in your mind where the thought comes up, you become aware of it, you acknowledge it, you say, whoa, okay, I, I see you. I see that you're there. Okay, I hear you. And then you ask a question or you do a little switch or reframe. You're acknowledging before you begin the repetition process. And a really good companion to this episode is going to be the episode on emotions and how we can use emotions in an empowering way. All emotions can be empowering. I will link that episode in the show notes here so that you have that as reference. It's really important that we don't ignore the things that are coming up for us and instead we use them as a jumping off point, as a way to decide what we want instead of letting it take over. We're acknowledging it and integrating it in a way that gives us power for our next step. And just a reminder, I do have an early bird list out for an upcoming offer that's happening February of 2022. It's going to be a six-week group setting style program. I'm going to be using neuroscience and EFT tapping in combination. The goal of this whole thing is to help us dial down the volume of self-doubt so that we can begin reaching our goals and dreams more effortlessly and more naturally. And spaces are limited. So if it's something you're interested in, you really do need to be on that early bird list. It will be offered there first. If spots aren't filled there, then it will go out farther. But if you want dibs, call it. Call dibs. Get your name on that list. And always, please remember that you've got this and you're not alone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Strength Discovered Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or have a request for a specific topic, I would love to hear from you. Please DM me on Instagram at Strength Discovered. Also, if this podcast makes you think of a friend who would resonate with this message of self-love and empowerment, 
please share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe. The content provided on this podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Please seek appropriate professional help when needed.